Today on an all-new Dr. Phil. 15 years ago, John's wife abducted their three children. I'm going to do everything humanly possible to find my kids. Now, the kids were found alive and in London. The search is over. She's lied to them for 15 years. I knew they were brainwashed. But the battle has just begun. You're going to be shocked to find out what happened when we ask Eileen and the kids to be on the show. This is going to be a changing day in your life. Have a good show, everybody. Here we go. It matters to you. That's what I want to talk about. Are you ready to move? Let's do it. J.C. Dugard was 11 years old when she was kidnapped. That was 18 years ago. Police found Elizabeth Wednesday at this intersection just 20 minutes south of her Salt Lake City home. 41-year-old Michael Devlin has confessed to kidnapping Ben Ownby. Investigators say in their search for Ownby, missing for four days, also yielded Sean Hornbeck, missing for more than four years. When these missing children were found, it made headlines around the globe. But more often than not, it's a parent that kidnaps a child, leaving another parent in a desperate search. Now, that's what happened to John Clark. Fifteen years ago, his wife just disappeared with his three children, leaving only a note behind that they were going on vacation. He never heard from them again. Now, you may remember this tragic story. Eileen kidnapped my three kids 11 years ago. Honey, Eileen. We were married. We had three kids together, Chandler, Hayden, and Rebecca. The last time I saw my kids was on February 10th of 1995. It was early in the morning. The kids were around the breakfast table. I kissed my three kids on the head, and I went to work. Bye, I came home that evening, and she was gone. I had no idea where she was. It's like she dropped off the planet, totally disappeared. Two years later, I got a divorce by default. I got remarried in 1998 to Jeanette. John has never given up hope. His prayer on a daily basis is that he be connected with his children again. When the kids left, they were seven, five, and two. I wonder where they are, how they're getting along. Are they safe? My greatest fear is I'll never see my kids again. I don't want to leave this earth without having the opportunity to see him again. Bye! Bye! (laughs) He believes that her parents know exactly where she is and how to get in touch with her. So John, along with his private investigator, made a house call to Eileen's parents. Hey, Mr. Sanders, how you doing, sir? I'm an investigator. Yes, sir. We've been trying to find Eileen. When's the last time you had contact with her? Where did she call from? We don't know. Would you give us access to your phone records? No. Where's your dad? They're fine. Your mom all right? They're fine. They're both fine. Are we married yet? Yes, I am. I figured you'd be by now. Is she in the country at least? She's had a better experience. uh, I've had a very bitter experience, Marion. Well, take care of yourself. He lied. She's going to get on the phone now and call her. He told Guy and I that he's in contact with her, that he does hear from her on a regular basis. When he's interviewed by the FBI, he tells him he hasn't heard anything from her. He spent more time asking me direct questions about how, how my parents were than he was about dealing with the issue at hand. I'm a little upset. 
What keeps you going looking for these kids, Tom? I just have a goal. to set in motion that I'm going to do everything humanly possible to find my kids. Well, John did continue his search for years. And finally, after private investigators, district attorneys, U.S. attorneys, and the FBI, the call came. The good news, the kids were found alive and in London. The bad news, John still has not been able to see them face to face. His only glimpse of his now grown children was on a news clip from overseas. Since the last time I was on this show, I received a phone call from the assistant district attorney, and he told me that my kids had been located and my ex-wife in the UK. I just kind of broke down and started crying. It was the greatest news I'd had in the last, last 14 years. An Oxfordshire woman fled to Britain with her children 10 years ago to escape a failed marriage. She's now facing extradition charges to the United States charges of child kidnapping. When I saw that video, it was really, to me, it was incredible. It was just great to see all three of them. You always wonder how your kids are going to turn out. The family settled here 12 years ago and have built a new life for themselves after Mrs. Clark divorced her husband in America. But recently, she answered a knock at the door and found police officers with a warrant for her extradition to America. She spent two nights in prison, leaving her children deeply distressed. Their mum is on the FBI's most wanted list. Although Mrs. Clark says she's told the American authorities where the family now lives, her children are also on the list with a description of them as missing victims. Following her divorce, Mrs. Clark moved state and was charged with custodial interference. She's been in contact with the authorities, she says, for over a decade. And yet only recently did she get told she faces extradition and imprisonment. If the United States wants to have someone extradited, they can just invent a charge. And if the paperwork is correct, the UK pretty much has to snap to and deliver. She's my little mum. Yeah, she's been looking after me my entire life. My mum is not a dangerous criminal. She shouldn't be extradited. It's absolutely stupid. I love his hair. Look at Hayden. I'm hurt. Fifteen and a half years were taken from me. I missed those kids. I missed that relationship. I didn't get to see if my kids were athletes. I didn't get to see if they were great students. What she's done is lied to them for fifteen and a half years. Daddy's dead. Daddy's gone. Daddy doesn't love you anymore. So they've been brainwashed for 15 years. This is not about extradition. This is about my kids. They're a part of me, and I don't want to lose them. I'm not going to stop trying. Wow. Well, so that's good news. Uh, I mean, it's, this is a mixed bag because of what you're saying. All the challenges. These kids have been programmed, obviously, about you and against you, we have to assume, for all of this time. That's your fear. I saw the videotape of them. And then I, I heard them say, both in the press and on that video, that they didn't want to have anything to do with me. I knew they were pretty much brainwashed. Mm-hmm. Now, she's been arrested. Eileen's been arrested, and now she's out on bail, correct? That's correct. Okay, and the extradition process, she would be facing international parental kidnapping charges, right? That's right. So they would have an extradition hearing, which is coming up within the next 30 days, Mm -hmm. and that could take how long to get her back here? Well, I understand it can take, you know, it could take up to two years. I mean, she could postpone this and continue to postpone it. It all depends on the uh, legal system in the U.K. if they allow that to go on. All right, well, well, take us through this. How were they found? How did that happen? 
Well, I, I mean, it was a fluke. I mean, they'd been on the FBI's uh, uh, wanted list for, for almost 15 years. They were off and back on. But we really, during the last 15 years, never, never got any leads. I mean, not any solid leads. What was told to me by the FBI, the special agent in charge, is that my middle son, um, Hayden, was in a UK hospital um, having some problems with his heart, that he made an offhanded comment to a patient that was in the room with him, that he was really basically trying to cheer him up, saying, you know, life isn't that bad. You could be wanted by the FBI. And he made an offhanded comment like that to his bedmate. And I believe at the same time, a nurse overheard that conversation. So you got a phone call. that She called, turned him in, found out it was the case. Then you got a phone call. How was he when he got the phone call, Janelle? He was on, well, actually, when he called me, he was on a ladder about 25 feet in the air. Yeah. And um, he goes, you're never going to believe what happened. He was at work. And uh, he goes, you're never going to believe what happened. I go, and he go, he said, they found him. I go, no way, no way. And he goes, they found him. They found him. And then all I can hear him. I was just kind of broke down. I, all I can hear was him sobbing. And I said, yeah, I can't wait to see you. And so he finished up what he did. And he came back and he cried a lot that day. Quite what a lot. went through your mind and heart when you found out that they were alive, they were well, and they had been found? I slept really well that night. Um, it had break, you know, it, it was kind of, I, I felt like I was getting closer to the end of the journey. Um, I, I, I stayed with this so long. I fought so hard. I have a lot of people to thank that have helped me over the years. Uh, they stayed with me, but I never stopped fighting for this. I never stopped looking and when one roadblock would present itself, I just wanted to overcome it and go on to the next one. So this was, this was incredible. Were, were you surprised how much the boys look like you? Oh, that... that I mean, that we have some stills for comparison. <laughs> let's, let's look at these. <laughs> yeah, oh, that, that this is, is This is Chandler. Okay. They're both stunning. Yeah. <laughs> and then this is Hayden. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, that's just amazing. I mean, yeah. they look like carbon copies. It's incredible. Well, you know, we've got to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about why did Eileen take these kids. I mean, we're going to take a close look at the notes that uh, Eileen left for John right before she disappeared. Plus, you're going to be shocked to find out what happened when we ask Eileen and the kids to be on the show. We'll be right back. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. 
Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Well, we're back with John Clark and his wife, Jeanette. Now, you met John five years ago right here on this stage. You, you look the same. I look much older. Uh, now John Clark's ex-wife left the country with his three children, Chandler, Hayden, and Rebecca, over 15 years ago. He has not seen them since. They were seven, five, and two years old. Now, stop and think about that for a minute. Stop and think about your children at that age, and one day you just kiss them goodbye in the morning on the way out the door, and then you never see them again. Fifteen years later, the phone rings. They've been found. The FBI has located John's now adult children and their mother, Eileen, in England. Now, Eileen was arrested and released on bond and is now awaiting an extradition hearing. Now, let's talk about this. On reflection, you had no warning signs, no indication that she was going to up and, and take off with these children? No, we just had, we'd had conversations. I mean, it, I would say two months prior, she decided that we weren't going to sleep in the same room together, so she decided to sleep with the baby. Um, you know, we had no physical contact. That was the signs that I knew something was basically going on, um, kind of. You know. Did were you fighting about anything in particular? No, the strange thing was it was very silent. I mean, it was kind of like she was pulling away, separating herself from me. And one thing that really startled me is my kids on the weekends always went with me to you know any of the stores that we went to, and uh, that was the first time that Chandler didn't want to go with me was the last two months that uh, we were together. Well, let's take a look at the notes that Eileen left at the time. We have taken a vacation. I cannot stay here any longer with so much tension. I'm not sure where when I'm sure I'll let you know. Right. Was this out of character? I mean, I, I can't imagine my wife just leaving me a note saying we're taking a vacation. Well, I was blown away. I, I, I never saw it coming like this. I mean, I found the note, and that was on a Friday evening when I came home. And then the uh, next morning on Saturday, I actually called... Um, I called the brokerage firm, which handled uh, her money, and I found out that on Friday, the day previous, that she had actually taken all her money out. So if she was going on a vacation, she took a lot of money so she could probably go for a couple of months. Um, also, the birth certificates were gone. All the, the pertinent documents, diamond rings, things of value, they were gone. So you knew right then, this is no vacation. She, she's in the wind. That's correct. Okay, now two days later, John got a letter in the mail. It says, Dear John, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, we have no need of the car, and I didn't want you to have need of it for business and it not be available to you. We are going to a quiet, safe place, and we'll be able to work things out from there. That eliminates the possibility of you blowing a gasket, i.e. temper, or me getting upset. I hope we can both come to a place of peace in our hearts, and enjoy each other as a family. I will be in touch as soon as possible. Love, Eileen. The car is at the airport. The keys are at the Southwest Airlines counter. We'll call soon when we're settled. Is this out of character for her, personality-wise? Did the letter sound like her? Well, the, I, don't, I don't really see any you know, declarative sentences there. She kind of floats around and doesn't finish her thoughts. That, that to me, is... 
you know, that, that was usual, but for her to write a letter to me like that, 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 that was very unusual. But, but why, I mean, there are so many things you can do. You can file for divorce. You can get a separation. Mm-hmm. You can go stay with your parents. You can, she, had she tried any of those remedies to, to get away from you before this, this no, time? I, I felt like I was being set up. I mean, when I saw the note come in the mail and then I saw another note that was actually sent to her parents, I just figured that she was really trying to set me up to be the bad guy. In a divorce. Um, in the divorce, yeah. I really thought that she was the, the reason that she took off is because um, she really felt that if uh, if we were going to be separated, that I would have a chance at, uh, or I would probably be the custodial parent. She, so I think she, she felt scared. like you might have gotten custody? Yeah. Why would you have gotten custody as opposed to her or a joint custody? Well, I mean, Why the, would she predict that? Well, at, at the time, you know, there were several comments from the pastor of the church that we, we went to in Atlanta who had made comments about her. People that knew her, her friends were making comments about her mental behavior, her instability, um, and how she reacted to certain things. But now she has attorneys in her family, right? That's correct. So, I mean, it wasn't like she didn't know about legal remedies and filing for divorce, separation, any number of things she could have done. Now, Pat McNerney, Assistant Attorney General for the State of New Mexico, was the attorney in the DA's office when Eileen disappeared uh, with the children. Uh, Pat, thanks for being here uh, so much. Um, This seems like such a hugely dramatic thing to do before you ever go through a a separation or a divorce or anything. Um, This is a huge violation of his rights and the children's rights, true? Well, that's correct. Eileen is not the victim here. I would say that the three children and John Clark, they're the victims in this case. There are lots of mechanisms that the law provides. If, if you're having problems in, in, in a marital relationship, you don't run off with the children because that violated, in this case, John Clark's rights. So this is the kind of case in New Mexico that's called custodial interference, and it is a felony. So this is serious business. Now, we invited Eileen and the three children to participate in the show, and and you knew we we were going to do that. Um, Now, uh, Eileen's attorney, U.S. Attorney David Foster, told us that Eileen would not be able to appear, and the only way the children would agree to come on the show is if John would stop the extradition of Eileen and get the charges dropped. Now, you're aware of that, right? I'm aware of it. So they said if you would stop the extradition and you would drop the charges, then the children would agree to, to come on the show. That's correct. And what did you say to that? Um, absolutely not. She doesn't get a, a, you know, a get-out-of-jail-free card for what she's done. People have to be responsible for the decisions they make. And it, I want to see my kids. It's number one on my list. But also, people need to be responsible for what they do. And I'm not going to give up um, making sure that Eileen like any other person that breaks the law, stands, has to stand up for what she's done. But here's a question I've got. Well, I've got two questions, actually. Number one, I'm no lawyer, but he doesn't control these charges, does he? Well, I mean, he can't drop the extradition. I mean, that's, she's committed a crime, so that's the government, right? That's correct, and I think that the, once John did the investigation and the case was given to the district attorney's office, at that, at that time it became uh, a, a case, an active case, under the state of New Mexico. Yeah, so 
you wouldn't have the right to do that anyway, but no. if, if you were such a bad person that she had to take these children and, and flee the entire country to get away from, why would she offer them up now in exchange for dropping the extradition charges? Well, she's just using the kids as bargaining chips. I mean, that's what she's done. She's hurt them. By taking, by taking the kids away from me, she hurt me, but in the long run, she really hurt the kids. Clearly. Clearly. I mean, the children have been cheated out of their father. Now, up next, the question is, everybody keeps asking themselves, was there a reason for Eileen to run with the children for 15 years? Now, she has alluded to abuse. Now, John takes a lie detector test to deal with whether or not he crossed the line. Was he abusive or was he not? We're going to talk about that when we come back. This polygraph test is the one that's used by the FBI. If you tell the truth today about everything I ask you, you will pass. All right, John, I'm ready when you are. I'm ready. Okay, here we go. Did you ever deliberately, physically injure Eileen? During your marriage to her. Ladies and gentlemen. What are you doing? What do you mean? I'm Just keep her- it simple. I'm making the promo. Just keep it simple. Just say, hey, we're the Brav Bros. Two guys that talk about Bravo. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're the Brav Bros. No. Oh. Dude. Stop with the voice. Just the vo- keep it simple. I've seen promos on TV, dude. This is how you get the fans in- engaged. This is how you get listeners. We're trying to get listeners here. If we just say, oh, we're two dudes that talk about Bravo, people are going to get tired of it already. We need some oomph. All right, then fine. Let's try to do it with your voice. Bravo, bros. Good job. On Oops! The Podcast, join me, comedian Julio Gallarotti, as I examine everyday life, the mistakes, the bad decisions, the goals, the jokes, the social engagements, and all things in between. I'm joined every week by producer and personal confidant, Ryan Lynch, various other comedians for witty, candid, and intoxicating conversation. Our listeners love Oops! for sophisticated banter, aka your mom could listen, and many feel like they're in the room with us chopping it up with old pals. You can find every episode of the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. I'm here with John Clark. His ex-wife abducted his children 15 years ago. Her name is Eileen. John has remarried. His wife, Jeanette, is here with him now. The FBI recently located them in England. Now, according to the Oxford Mail, Eileen said she was too scared to remain in her marriage to John. Now, I want to be very clear about this. Because she hasn't been very clear about this. She has not made specific allegations, but has alluded to the fact that you were abusive. That's correct. uh, With her and with the children. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I I wasn't there at the time. Uh, You weren't there at the time. I mean, none of us were. Uh, So you do what you can to try to get to the bottom. Because... The fact of the matter is, John, and and you know this is one of the things that you're going to have to contend with, there are situations where there are abusive husbands. There are situations where wives fail to get the protection from the courts that they need, or they get a temporary restraining order, which is a piece of paper. Bullets go through paper. Fists go through paper. There are women that have felt like they had to run to, to protect their own children. And I don't think there's a mother on the 
face of the earth that wouldn't say she would go to jail if it meant keeping her children safe uh, from, from someone evil. Now, you, of course, have denied any abuse whatsoever. That's correct. And so we ask you to take a lie detector test. We ask you to take a polygraph. We asked Jack Tremarco, who is a former FBI uh, polygraph operator, to administer the test. Uh, Jack Tremarco is the best of the best. Um, you don't know the results of that. I have them in this envelope. So did John pass the test? Take a look. This polygraph test is the one that's used by the FBI. If you tell the truth today about everything I ask you, you will pass this test. The best thing that's going to come from this test is this is going to remove all doubt from my kids' minds that I was ever abusive uh, to their mother. All right, John, I'm ready when you are. I'm ready. Here we go. The test is about to begin. Are you sometimes known as John? Yes. Are you sure that I won't try to trick you on this test? Yes. Regarding if you ever deliberately, physically injured Eileen during your marriage to her. Do you intend to be completely truthful with me about that? Yes. Did you ever deliberately, physically injure Eileen? No. That'll conclude the test. I just finished the lie detector test. I'm very confident in the results. I'm 100% confident that I passed the lie detector test. Okay, um, I, I'm glad that you were able to do this and that you were able to take the test. Uh, we have the results here. Um, and uh, Jack Tremarco is joining us by phone. I'll talk to him in just a minute. Um, I'm going to read these with you. Um, there were two main questions that you were tested on. Number one, did you ever deliberately, physically injure Eileen? And your response was? No. And the results are that that was not a deceptive answer, that you did tell the truth on that answer. The second question, did you ever deliberately, physically injure Eileen during your marriage? And they asked these different ways to, to get to it. Your response was? No. And the results were not deceptive. So very clearly, uh, you took this polygraph test. You told the truth that you were not abusive to her. Um, in, and we ask about physical because mental is a state of mind, and you, and you can't ask somebody about their, their state of mind, right. so we have to ask about physical. So we ask, did you ever physically injure her uh, in any way? And your answer was no, and, and that was a truthful response. Uh, Jack, are you with us? I am, Doctor. Sorry, I can't be there today. Well, um, thank you for doing this. Was this a valid test, and are you confident in the result? I'm absolutely confident. It was... Uh it was a, a wonderfully run test. Uh, Mr. Clark was uh, totally compliant with all my requests. Uh, there were no uh, signs of countermeasures, and the exam itself has been quality controlled by another person with my type qualifications, and we both come to the same conclusion, non-deceptive to that relevant issue of physical abuse. So you can say with a high degree of scientific certainty that this man has not been abusive of his wife? Absolutely. 
And um, how many polygraphs have you administered, Jack? Uh, over 3,000. Uh, so this ain't your first rodeo. You're good at this, and you say someone else scored this independently based on the protocols generated by the equipment. Yes, yes, and uh, conform to the standards of the American Polygraph Association and the California Association of Polygraph Examiners. All right. Well, Jack, thank you so much for doing this, and thanks so much for kind of putting a frame around this so we understand what the, uh, what the results mean. With three children in 15 years, you've missed 45 birthdays. You've missed 15 Christmases, 15 Thanksgivings, 15 graduations of, from each year of school as they've gone along. I mean, it's, it, it's so much has been taken away. How do you ever get that back, John? I don't think you get it back. You just have to start again. Uh, my goal is to is to try to have um, a relationship with my boys um, and my daughter. Um, I have to start anew, so I have to start building that foundation. And uh, I have the personality where I just, I don't know if I'm stubborn or stupid, but I just keep pushing forward. And I just know with the grace of God I'm going to keep moving forward and more and forward and forward. I'm just not going to stop, and uh, that's my personality. I do it um, with the business I run. Um, sometimes I do it too much with my personality, which, which Jeanette, but I just don't, I don't believe you quit on your kids. You feel his pain. I can see it and hear it in you. I do, I do, because, um, <laughs> here he's done, he's, he's, he is the victim, but yet he's the one that's having to prove himself, and I think the system doesn't protect the innocent, they protect the guilty. And I'm so tired of seeing this, not just in his case, but others. And here, she's had 15 and a half years to abuse her kids' minds. And is she going to be accountable, held accountable for that and responsible for that? And I think it's not just John's case. I think maybe he always says, why me, why me? And I go, well, we gotta, you got to find something good out of the situation to help others. Because there's a lot of people in this nation, in this world, going through this, right. where a parent can just pick yeah. up and see you later and no uh, repercussions I, at all. I, 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 I did this lie detector test because I want, I want my kids to know that I did not abuse their mother. I want them to know categorically that that never happened, and, and I want them to start thinking because I know they're going to see this, and I want them to know and I want them to start searching in their own soul really what happened. Maybe they'll give me the opportunity. That's, that's all I'm asking for is an opportunity to be a part of their life. And, and that starts uh, when, we, when we can have a conversation. Face to face. All right, let me tell you what I want to do. I want to take a break. And I want to add somebody to this conversation so we can talk about what the next months or, or years may involve in putting this relationship back online. Uh, we're going to meet a woman whose father fled with her when she was just six years old. You won't believe what he told her about her mother and why her psychiatrist said it was the worst case of brainwashing he had ever seen. We're going to see what she has to share with John when we come back. The day my father took me, he said, you know, we're going to go for ice cream and we're going to have an adventure. <laughs> we cannot find this man. No leads, nothing. 
I never gave up hope that I would ever see Deanna again. During that time, we traveled to 22 different countries, and there was a story I had. I would tell people my mother abandoned me. If you would like to purchase a tape or transcripts of your favorite Dr. Phil show, please log on to drphil.com or call 866-4-DR-PHIL. That's 866-437-7445. 866-437-7445. According to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, there are over two hundred thousand parental kidnappings every year. That's right, I said two hundred thousand. Now many of the parents left behind never see their kids again. Now Deanna was abducted by her father when she was just six years old. When my parents got divorced and I was living with my mother at the time she had custody of me and my father had visitation rights. The day he took me, I must have been in kindergarten or first grade, I said goodbye to my mom, I kissed her, and uh, I went to school. Within a couple of hours, my father came to the school and said that he needed to take me home at that point. He said, you know, we're gonna go for ice cream and we're gonna have an adventure. And within an hour, we were at LAX and um, on a plane to Canada. I went to the police. At that time, there was no parental abduction. It was called child snatching. During that time, we traveled to about 22 different countries. After two and a half years, he decided that he wanted to live in Tel Aviv in Israel. I was an Orange County girl, and then we're in Tel Aviv, and I'm going to Hebrew school, and I'm Catholic. He had me under control, and there was a story I had. I would tell people my mother has passed on, or my mother has abandoned me. My detectives, they gave up. No leads, nothing. My father started to condition me through those years. It was a brainwashing, and he would say, if your mom really loved you, she would find you. I never gave up hope that I would ever see Deanna again, but I didn't think it would take that long. We were in Europe for a total of three years and moved back to the States. Finally, when my father decided to settle outside of Boston, she found us, and I was 12. My father was arrested and was thrown in jail for 24 hours. She was shy. She was non-reactive, not the Deanna that, that I knew. They had assigned a psychiatrist to the case. The psychiatrist said, I've never seen a case like this where a child was so programmed. He told me it would take over a 40-year period for us to ever regain our relationship because the bond had been broken. I ended up staying with my father. The court system felt that it would be in my best interest. My father had me so convinced that my mother was this terrible person and she was a monster. At 24, I searched my mother out. I had suppressed the truth of everything. I was kidnapped. It's been over 22 years of being finally reunited. My relationship with my father is non-existent. He stole my spirit. He robbed me. He hijacked my personality. He wanted to stifle me and control me and manipulate me to the point where I didn't have an identity. Well, thank you both for being here to talk about this because you've been through exactly what these children have been living now. And this wasn't just a geographical location. I mean, you were systematically programmed to believe certain things, true? Absolutely. 
and you, you, you say you were in, in fact, I, I wrote it down. You said you were in, what, 22 foreign countries, 38 states. He changed your hair. He changed your look. He did everything to hide you. And, and even with that, he was only able to hide you for six years. With you, it's been 15 years. Um, when you say he sold your spirit and your identification, what do you mean? Well, what I mean by that, it, it was over a period of time. It, it, was an, it was a gradual process that happened. It wasn't, um, but I have to say that some of that also started before he took me as well. I think that there was a conditioning happening at that time, um, but I wasn't aware of it, and you're not. And so over time, he would... He wouldn't tell me everything at once, but what he would say is, you know, over time your mother doesn't love you. You know, if she loved you, she would find you. Um, he, he would make up stories about my mother, about just how she was um, unfit. unfit, that she could never be the parent that could love me like he could. I was daddy's special little girl. Mm-hmm. So over a time there was a conditioning that was happening. So it it, it, it was brainwashing. I mean, now it's called parental alienation syndrome. So it's, it's actually a way to, to pit your child against your mother or your parent. Coming up, I'm going to share with John what I think some of the next moves and considerations should be relationship-wise. We'll be right back. What I really hope you'll understand is that Relationships are built across time. And you can have a relationship with these three children, but it won't be a father-child relationship. It will be an adult-to-adult relationship because you weren't there at the ball games. You weren't there when they had the flu. You weren't there for the first date. You weren't there for some of those things that create that parent-child dynamic. I'm sorry that you weren't. It is so tragic what she has done. If, 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 if you overcome this, and I truly believe that you will, it will be through patience and compassion with your children and understanding that you have to say, look, I, I prepare my heart. It is open, and, and I stand open-armed and ready to receive you one inch, one millimeter, one word at a time. But you will never alienate me. You and I were robbed of our relationship. It's the same as if someone comes into a bank and robs the teller and the customer. You were in it together. Mm-hmm. And you're both victims. And you have to understand that you've both been robbed. They may react to it differently than you, but you have to be very patient. And if they, if they want to see you, if, if, if they want to plead with you to take a different tact in this, be willing to hear anything and everything they want to say. Um, but I wouldn't cave to extortion by lawyers or anyone else. I would just prepare my heart, say I'm open and I'm ready, and I will spend the rest of my life nurturing relationship with you. In your situation... It was 10 years before you were ready to receive this love from your mother. And and you two now 
have a relationship oh, yeah. no. that, that they will have for the rest of their lives. So you don't do it for a week. You don't do it for a month. You don't do it for a year. You do it until. You just you do it until. And life's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And what we want is for you to have grandkids sitting on your lap. We, we want you to, to, to be there with them. And what happens in the next six months or the next year may have very little to do with what happens for the next 30 or 40. And, it, and it, it's, it's such a conflicting message because you're so excited that they're found. But yet you've got such a steep and slippery hill to climb. But if you do it with, with patience and an open heart, it will. It turned around here in, in what was described as one of the worst cases that anybody's ever seen. Will you go there if they're willing to see you? Absolutely. And you would bring them here? Oh, yeah. Whatever. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Will you meet and talk with your ex-wife if she wants to talk to you? Yes. So you're willing to have a family meeting even after... All of this has happened. Yeah. You would be willing to do that. Right. No one can ask anymore. I mean, you could be bitter and resentful and, and have that animosity in your heart, and that's certainly not what you're doing. I just love my kids, and I just want them to be a part of my life, and I want to be in theirs. Well, you're all in our prayers. Well, John is planning to head to London, and we'll be documenting his journey. Um, and Jeanette, you were asking me if, if I would be willing to sit down with the kids and with the family, and you know, I, I most certainly would. I would sit down with John and Eileen and all three of the kids and, and, and anybody that wants to uh, be involved. And I would love to sit down and talk to your children because you know, they haven't done anything wrong here. And they're being as passionate about their mother as, as we heard Rebecca talking about, saying extraditing her, that's for criminals, it's ridiculous. She was two. She doesn't even know you. Right. She's not wrong to be thinking that way. I mean, you, you would expect a child to be protective of yes. a parent. But what has to happen here is they've got to hit the reset button on what they have believed to be the case and what they have believed to be true. And they may not even be upset with their mother but they certainly shouldn't be upset with you. This but-for logic just doesn't work in this situation. So we'll be following this, and we'll keep all of you uh, at home posted. If you're thinking about abducting your children and absconding, look, this is not the answer. There are so many remedies before you get to that point. And it's not just about you, and the children will not benefit from your doing it. If you're thinking about it, Think again. For more information about this show, go to drphil.com. You can also reach me on my blog or Twitter. A special thanks to Jack Tremarco of Tremarco and Associates for administering the polygraph. And Harold, thank you for all of your work in this situation. Uh, you you uh, you create results, and uh, so Harold Copas, private investigator. Thanks so much for being here. So long.